what are we talking about? Jeff, see if I miss anything here in terms of the checklist of what they've lost. They're starting quarterback. They're starting left tackle. They're starting running back and two of their elite receivers plus their offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Did I miss anything there? No, you nailed it. I should have gone ding Thanks. after every. <laughs> We are back for another year. Welcome to the CFL Fantasy Podcast presented by Leo Vegas for the 2019 season as we are here getting you set for the start of the season in a number of weeks' time and looking forward to the start of the CFL regular season. But because CFL Fantasy is going to be that much bigger in 2019, we figured Let's not just do a mini preview show. Let's do a number of preview shows. So, as was in 2018, go to cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Get your lineup set for week one. But because the season opener isn't until June 13th in Hamilton, if you sign up before June 5th, you're going to be automatically entered to win $1,000 just like that. Before a game even gets played, somebody playing CFL Fantasy this year is going to win $1,000. Go to cflfantasy.tsn.ca. It is my pleasure to say that the fearsome trio is back for 2019. My name is Pat Steinberg in Calgary, in Toronto, Hannah Nordman and Jeff Creever. Let's say hello to the three best friends there ever were. I like that we're feared. That's interesting. Fearsome. Fearsome. What's the difference? Feared, fearsome. Isn't it the same thing? I don't think anybody's afraid of us. We're just, we're we're fearsome though. Oh, okay. (laughs) Gotcha. Now that makes perfect sense. Well, you know what? If it's after June 5th, um, you know, you missed the deadline to to win that extra cash, but don't worry about that. You're you're still set your lineup and, and win some awesome prizes throughout the season. And you've also got a lot to be excited about because that means you're getting really close to kickoff if that's, if that's future you or future me or whoever's listening to this. But I could uh, go for 1000 bucks right now. That's true. So get on there, sign up, uh, go for that money. And you know what? Football's back. We can finally say it. Football has been played mm-hmm. in 2019. Uh, it was a preseason game, and Mike Riley didn't play. But the scoring didn't count in fantasy. Uh, if you did, I don't even know if you can set your lineup in, in preseason. But no, um, <laughs> that that would be fun—a preseason fantasy game. I'll push it for next year. Uh, I hope you guys use the preseason as a scouting opportunity to get ready to beat me this year. Because <laughs> I can are you saying the we champion, need the help? The number one. Are you number saying one, we need the help? Could use could use a little bit of help and uh, uncover some hidden gems. But uh, to me. Uh, you know, there's not a whole lot you take out of the preseason, especially from a fantasy perspective, other than who's winning starting jobs and and uh, bubble players that, that may be uh, looking for new teams in, in a week or two. But there's one thing that bothered me a little bit in, in preseason, and it was Mike Riley not playing in the preseason opener, Hannah and Pat. Did, do you think this matters? Is this a big deal to you? Um, because, again, a lot of people say preseason doesn't matter, doesn't mean anything. Um, but the preseason's short. It is short, but with a guy like Mike Riley, I know it's a different team. I know there's a lot to adjust to. I'm not all that concerned with him sitting out week one of the preseason. I was I was really hoping that, you know, to start off a new season that we could kick it off with me agreeing with Jeff, but I'm I'm on I'm on Hannah's side on this one. Oh, already? Mike Riley <laughs> Mike Riley threw six passes in the preseason last year. And he was just fine. And I know that this year, new team, new coaching staff, new scheme, new receivers. I get all that. But elite quarterbacks are elite quarterbacks. And Mike Riley's an elite quarterback. So I think if he gets two or three series, maybe more, maybe he gets a half in the second preseason game for BC, I think he'll be fine. Because it's not like he was going to get a whole lot more than that. How much, like... How much was he going to play in a road game in the preseason for BC in the opener? He, even new off, he would have thrown like seven passes. Trevor Harris only threw, what, Harris threw in that game only a few passes too in his first game with Edmonton. So, I mean, it's it's a very, I think anyway, it's it's a very minimal gain, if any. It's, it's, it's tough. It's tough for me to say that all of a sudden BC is going to be significantly behind the eight ball just because Riley didn't see. Harris saw two series in the game against BC. So Riley seeing two series would change things dramatically. I, it's, it's tough for me to get on board with that. 
No, and, and I bet you there's a pretty good chance Trevor Harris doesn't play uh, – maybe doesn't play at all in the, in the preseason finale, right? I mean, the Asks, I believe they're on a really short week. Uh, they close their preseason early. So, yeah, uh, listen, it's, it's a trend. It's a league-wide trend. I mean, it's not something new. A lot of teams, they'll take their veteran quarterbacks and they'll play them one game in the preseason. I mean, we've seen it before. I just think that we're seeing teams sort of get off to a slow start offensively. Defenses are getting off to quick starts around the league. And when you have a quarterback, you talk about last year with Mike Riley, he's with Jason Moss. I mean, they've been together for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. You're talking about a totally new situation. New coach, new coordinator, new receivers. Uh, it, it's just a matter of you don't get a lot of practice time in the CFL in this league. You only, you only get so many hours on the field executing I would think that of your two preseason games, you'd want to get on the field and, and put your offense to work in both games. So we'll see. I still love Mike Riley I think this year. If, if if he gets if he gets a half or a quarter and a half in that second preseason game for BC, I think he'll be I think he'll be fine. And there's one other thing that I think is important to mention too. Mike Riley's 34, and there's a lot of hard miles on that chassis. He has taken hits he has been injured he has missed games so if you can minimize they don't they don't play preseason this isn't the pro bowl they they play preseasons with uh, full contact guys are trying to make an impact so if they've got a chance to lay a licking on mike riley they're gonna do it if i can limit the amount of contact riley takes in the preseason even if he's in a new scheme, I'm going to prior- prioritize that every day of the week. Well, Mike Riley was easily the consensus number one fantasy quarterback last year. He dominated, and uh, the price reflected that as he cost about $14,000 for most of last season, not dropping below that until week 17. That's actually the most a player can cost in this game. So we're going to rank the quarterbacks top 10 fun. in 2019. It's a fun show. I'm excited. Coming up. And at number one, Mike Riley, still at that, the top. Okay. Well, that was a good pregnant pause, a term that I learned this week. So you did learn it this I week. I did learn it. Your I new never favorite heard of it. term. Uh, I'm a broadcast rookie compared to Pat and, and, uh, and Hannah with their years of oozing broadcast experience <laughs> and knowing these terms like pregnant pause and off mic and, and uh, different things like that. But... Um, I should note the most exciting part about Mike Riley being number one is that he only costs $11,754, which is as low as you've ever seen him in this game. So Mike Riley has a chance to go over 5,500 passing yards for the fourth straight season. And I think there's a very good chance he's going to do that again in BC. I mean, I, I talked about him not playing enough in preseason, and that's a to me that's a legitimate beef, but you got to love the quarterback, right? He's number one for a reason. And right now, I don't think there's anyone really that close. We'll talk about Jeremiah Mazzoli uh, in a little bit. Spoiler alert, he's wow, in the Jeff. top four. No, no, he's in the top four. Okay. Come on. Okay. That's not... Look, I mean, I bet you everybody has him number two, but let's be honest. Um, there's a lot I like about Mike Riley. And one of the bigger impacts we've t- uh, we, we, that hasn't really been talked about and one big reason for him to go to BC, chance to play indoors nine games. The numbers are up when he's playing inside uh, in his career. 12 starts uh, playing at either the Rogers Center or BC plays. His quarterback rating is about eight points higher. His yards per attempt, uh, 0.4 yards higher, uh, averaging five more yards per game. Um, and yet he's throwing even fewer passes. Uh, as well, the touchdown-interception ratio is much better. I think he's got a lot to benefit from being in that climate-controlled area. Uh, I love the weapons he has in BC. And to me, like I said, th- there's no real debate here uh, because I don't see anyone that's going to push Mike Riley for that number one title right now. Well, and BC's offense is going to be structured around him. They're going to let it loose again. They're going to allow him to throw 35, 40 times per game. And when you allow Mike Riley, who I think is going to have some decent protection this year too, you allow Mike Riley to throw the ball 35, 40, 45 times a game, you're going to see some numbers piled up. I like I like the potential of him and Deron Carter. I like the potential of him and Brian Burnham. Uh, I like that offensive line in front of him. And one thing that we haven't mentioned, and I think it's a good point about going and playing in a dome, and you take a look at his career numbers in a dome versus not in a dome, significantly better. But 
I, I'm I'm curious to see what Mike Riley and Jarius Jackson uh, do together in in Jackson's second year as offensive coordinator of of this Lions team as well. He's he's turning into one of those highly respected offensive savants in this league, and and Riley and Jackson working as a pair together, I think, should be really interesting too. So yeah, I, I don't think there's much of a debate on the number one. I think it's. Mike Riley with a bullet. He's got the highest ceiling. He was the top scoring quarterback six out of 18 weeks that he started and also the highest floor. So no doubt, number one, Mike Riley. Number two, drum roll. Jeff almost spoiled it, but didn't. Didn't. We got Jeremiah Mazzoli. We all knew it. We all knew it. Come on. No one's arguing. Also a pretty obvious choice, I think. We we had good consensus. Did we have consensus on this one or did someone, someone, someone had, Bo number two. I, I might think. have said. I, I don't know. Um, Pat, do you want to do you want to kick us off with with Mazzoli here? Sure. I think Jeremiah Mazzoli is a heck of a quarterback, and I think that right now him entering the season as the number two fantasy quarterback makes sense. But it doesn't come without caveats because I, there's there's a real intrigue for some skepticism, for some curiosity, but. What what's Jeremiah Mazzoli in a brand new scheme? June Jones a late exit as that team's offensive coordinator, and nobody runs an offense like June Jones does in the Canadian Football League. And Tommy Condell, who is the incoming OC uh, and who has been you know in this league a long time, he is a different has a different philosophy from Jones. He runs a different system than Jones, and Jeremiah Mazzoli's best success is the last season and a half, and that's all been with June Jones at the helm. So that run-and-shoot offense and allowing Mazzoli to let loose as a pocket passer and be the primary uh, be the primary decision-maker on the field, Like I, I'm curious to see what the loss of Jones does to Mazzoli. So personally, I think Mazzoli is an elite quarterback, has elite ability, and he'll be able to make up for the loss of June Jones, and we're not going to be talking about this as a big-time drop-off from production. But it is something to watch. Well, what's so, what's the concern level then, Jeff? Well, so that's How the question I was going to ask, you? because since Hannah doesn't really read the, the fine print and, and go through... Well, Hannah writes her own rules with the rundown anyway, I guess, apparently. That was, that was the question off the top. Right? Just because I'm not How, listening to every give it a word number. you write right. down, you know what? I'm asking you now. Put a number on it. What's your concern level with June Jones being gone? Mine personally? Mazzoli? Yes. Well, I, I'm a 6.5. And, okay, 7 is too strong. <laughs> 6 is, is getting there. Yeah. Uh, I'm like this close to a 7. Partial right? numbers. I'm holding my Got hands it. up like I'm on television and people can see what I'm... Yes. what I'm doing but um, seven's a really strong number too high but I don't want to discredit Jeremiah Mazzoli and the talent he's an all world talent uh, great arm great runner and June Jones making him a court, making him the starter and the go to guy in Hamilton that was, that was a big deal and, and uh, a smart move and, and Jeremiah Mazzoli has absolutely put him in the upper echelon of quarterbacks in this league but to me this is more of a healthy respect for June Jones and, and what he's done in the CFL I, I think it's one of those situations where what's that saying? You don't know what you got till it's gone. I think that's what you have here with June Jones because he's a bit of a, a CFL, a football visionary that we haven't seen in this league uh, in a sense that he, he did things that others may not have done. He's an outside-the-box uh, kind of thinker. What were the first things June Jones did when he got here that Ken Austin wouldn't do? Well, he named Jeremiah Mazzoli the starter, and he moved Brandon Banks to receiver a starting receiver, whereas Banks, his whole career was only used as a returner. When he did play receiver, he wasn't very productive because he wasn't put in positions to succeed. These are two moves that made the Ticats go from basement dweller, remember they were winless when June Jones became the head coach, to arguably a contender, a team that's expected to win the East this year. So to me, taking away that mind, and this is no disrespect to Tommy Condell because he's a veteran coordinator. Heck, he got one of the, he got the best season out of Zach Caleros' career in 2015. Really good coordinator there. But I really do think that you're missing something innovative when you're taking June Jones out of the fold there. And for that reason, I think what we saw last year from Mazzoli, that might be the ceiling. I don't know if we're going to see better than what we saw from Jeremiah Mazzoli last season. My concern level is like, Three, uh, I don't think it's completely irrelevant, but I think Mazzoli is good enough 
to work under any coordinator. He's gotten his chance now. I think Tommy Cundell is smart enough to know how to use a quarterback like Mazzoli to his max. So, Hannah, I'm like at a three for concern level. Yeah, I'm I'm closer to you than Jeff. I'd say I'm about a four. We're using whole numbers, Jeff, because we can just commit to one. But a lot of the weapons are similar. Sure, no Saunders, no Alex Green. Banks coming off surgery. Tasker injured in camp. But I think a lot of that offense is still intact. They know each other. They know what's going on. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of regression. And you can possibly see a better season from Azoli here. Six six point five is like I'm not losing sleep over it, but I'm I'm thinking about it while I'm falling asleep. You're not hitting a panic button. Like I'm lying in bed, like this is on my mind a little bit, but mm-hmm. I'll still sleep comfortably. You know, that's where I am with Jeremiah Mazzoli and, and the Tie Cats this year. They'll have a good offense, um, but I want to see it first. I, I I think there's a potential. I think there's more potential for a step back than a step forward. So you don't think he can challenge Riley for that number one spot? I don't spot. see it this year. Pat? Uh, I think he can. I, I, and, I've, and I'm really high on Mazzoli. So uh, I, I, like, I like the prospect of him and Banks back together once again. They've got a very reliable possession target in Luke Tasker. I, I, think, I think Hamilton's going to be a really high-octane offense once again. All right, at number three, at a pretty desirable price of $8,600, we've got Bo Levi Mitchell. Bo! Bo! The Bo Show! This is... uh, The Bo Show continues. Who knows where he could have gone? The NFL took a look at Sask. The MLSC was was preparing to drive up the the Brinks truck, or Uh a couple of them, and... And now yet, he's back in Calgary. Calgary, he remains. Pat, this is your wheelhouse. And we saw him go through a lot of receivers last year. Didn't seem to slow him down. So do you think Mitchell has the receivers to have another season like he did last year? Yeah. I mean, Bo's one of those guys that doesn't really matter who his receivers are. He's going to make the best out of them. And, I mean, look, we saw, we saw Reggie Bagleton step in for Kamar Jordan when Jordan suffered that season-ending injury last year. Didn't miss a beat. And that's uh, lots of credit to Bagleton, lots of credit to Jordan. But, you know, you've got to have a quarterback to be able to make the most out of your receivers as well. And I think that's exactly what Bo Levi Mitchell does. Eric Rogers is back for another year. Bagleton will be healthy. Kamar Jordan will be back at some point. I think Juwan Breskison is going to have a monster season. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think that we'll be see Breskison used in that traditional Canadian role at receiver. We might see him used a little bit more instituted in the offense. So I, I look at, at Bo Levi Mitchell and I see it, it really doesn't matter who his receivers are, and especially when you've got proven talents like Rodgers there and Jordan returning, I think that we're talking about another strong year passing for Bo Levi Mitchell. I know, Jeff, we've talked about this in the past. We talked about it when we did kind of our way-too-early uh, preview a few months ago. You're a little worried about the amount Calgary's going to have the ball and the amount Calgary's going to be chasing. I don't, I don't see it the same way. I, I, don't, I don't think Calgary all of a sudden turns into a, a middle-of-the-road football team just because they've suffered some significant losses. I still think they're going to be able to control possession and have long, methodical drives with that running back, with that offensive line, and most importantly with that quarterback. They've got the offense to be able to, to control the ball and even without maybe a defense that isn't as dominant as it was last year, I still think we're talking about a, a very strong defensive group. I, I think I think you got that one wrong a little bit as far as as far as what I said off mic about Bo and and the defense. That's not a concern for me. If that defense isn't as good, my eyes are lighting up. I'm thinking this is a chance for for the Stamps to sort of take the reins off a bit. Not that they've ever had to rein in Bo Levi Mitchell, but for for the Stamps to really open up that vertical passing attack that that they've done in the past and that Bo loves. Bo is a vertical passer. He loves to throw downfield. I want to see games like Edmonton had last year when Mike Riley's throwing 40-plus passes a game. I want to see Bo going off for that many throws and what he can do with some of those targets there. And even without Kamar Jordan, I agree. I think the receivers are good. But I do think losing two-thirds of your starting defense and your defensive coordinator – that's going to affect you. You're not going to be the same ball possession, grinded out kind of ball team, kind of kind of football team that they've been in the past, um, where they're able to play ball possession, run the ball, play with the lead from start to finish, and and uh, both throws is is you know 
in between 20, usually under 30 passes per game. I don't think they're going to be that this year. If I asked you to name the five best players in the CFL that are not quarterbacks, you're probably putting Micah Johnson and Alex Singleton, uh, we're talking about last year, in that top five. And the Stamps lost both those guys. You can't tell me that that defense is going to pick up exactly where it was, uh, which the last couple of years has been one of the better defenses we've seen in the last decade in the CFL. I think that bodes well for the Stamps offense because they're going to have to open things up a bit. I don't think they're giving their defense enough credit, but we don't have to get into a big argument about that. Well, <laughs> we've got a that's defense why we're preview here. coming up later. Yeah. We're talking about quarterbacks. Maybe. Yeah. Nobody likes defenses, though. That's the problem. You guys didn't even pick defenses most of last season. Well, that strategy, I think, is going to change. But you know me. what? I And Hannah, sorry, I'll, I'll leave you some space to give us your thoughts on Bo. But I love Bo, and I think he's... He's a he's a one A one A situation with Mike Riley, right? There's no B. There's they're both one A. Like these are the two best quarterbacks in the CFL, and Bo's right there with him. And while Bo Levi Mitchell's not going to be mistaken for a runner, he makes up for that with cost efficiency because he's quite a bit cheaper than Mike Riley. And the quite fact that bit. he's he's so consistent from week to week, yeah, he's not going to go off for forty points, but he's not going to kill you with a ten point week either. He's pretty much consistent. 20 points uh, pretty much every single week. So, hey, you, you, can, you can take that with his, with his cost and you go with the certainty there and you try and score big with other positions. Yeah, I'm all right with that. The best part about Bo last year is that because he had so many good options as receivers, it was hard to pinpoint which one of them was going to have the big week. So if you wanted to encompass all of them, you just took Bo and collected all of those mm-hmm. points. And that was probably the best part about him and how you were going to capitalize off of Calgary's offense. Uh, so those three, Riley, Mazzoli, Mitchell, uh, they are definitely our elite group of quarterbacks yep. for the season. And we didn't have too much trouble well, picking that top three. I guess the debate is whether this next guy on the list, who Hannah will disclose in a moment in dramatic fashion, uh, is sort of knocking on that door. And... Uh, because there's been a lot of debate about this in the past. so There um, has. And I, I wouldn't classify him there yet, but no. this season, you never know. At number four, we have Trevor Harris, $8,700. And uh, Pat, you ranked Trevor Harris over Bo, did you? I did. And that has nothing to do with what I think they are as quarterbacks and only to do with what they are for this game and playing fantasy. I think Bo Levi Mitchell is the best quarterback in the CFL, period. And if there was one player that I was starting an organization with right now, it wouldn't even be a hesitation to choose Bo Levi Mitchell. But we're talking about fantasy. And and I I look at, you know, because Jeff and I are on different sides of how I think Calgary's going to go about their business this year, I think the the fact that Calgary's going to play a very and, and adopt a very similar philosophy offensively as they did last year and are going to be able to control possession again. And and because Bo is loath to run and is frequently replaced in in goal line situations, his his fantasy value a little bit lower whereas I, I see Trevor Harris going to Edmonton, and, and I think that we're talking about a very strong season ahead. And I, I look at Trevor Harris's career numbers. I look at what he's done throughout his career since that first opportunity going back to his time in Toronto when he took over for Ricky Ray. And we're talking about one of the most consistent. We're talking about one of the most accurate. And we're talking about one of the most high-end quarterbacks. And And I know there have been consistency dips from game to game, but I take a look at Harris and his offense and the targets he has in, on his new team in Edmonton and even watching him in that first game of the preseason and connecting with Greg Ellingson twice and looking at him four times. I just I, I think there's a lot to like about that Edmonton offense. I think Jason Moss is one of the best offensive minds in the CFL. He's got a good quarterback to institute that offense. So I, I think Harris is in, is in line for a really big season. And I think he is right there with Bo and in that top tier group in fantasy football this year. I just see way too many inconsistencies in Trevor Harris's game. And I mean, the upside is there. We've seen him when he's on and he's one of the best. But to me, it feels like from week to week, you don't know which Trevor Harris you're going to get. 
And a lot of times, it's one or the other. We've seen bad Trevor Harris enough times. Hannah, you have the numbers. You, you've, mm. you've talked about him. He, he had more than a few games last year where he was There's about a handful that, of games yeah. in single digits, including single digits. one at, in negative points. You got negative yeah, and I mean, point three points. Every quarterback's going to have a couple of bad games and, and usually throw away the worst game because it's going to, that's going to happen. But if you're talking about this happening multiple times, that's a little bit concerning, especially two of them against the same defense, right? The, the, he had nightmares those two games against Calgary, which was an elite you know, defense. The best, the best defense in the Canadian Football League, though. I mean, let's, I mean, they get paid, too. Sure, but nobody struggled like Trevor Harris against the Calgary Stampeders. Yeah, but you're honest. not really playing any quarterback that's going up against the Calgary defense. You just wouldn't do that. You wouldn't put them in your lineup. It's true, but there were other games as well. And this is just something that I've noticed in Trevor Harris's entire career. From the time he was with the Argos, he, he was having he was in the discussion for MOP his first year uh, when he became a starter when Ricky Ray was injured, and then he struggled for about three games in a row and was actually benched. And Ricky Ray started that year with the wonky shoulder and everything. I'm not saying he he hasn't gotten better since then. Look, that's a long time ago. We'll give the guy the benefit of the doubt, but we see this every year where Trevor Harris has tremendous ups and downs and. To me, for a non-running quarterback, that scares me a little bit. I like the offense. I like that he's with Jason Moss. Moss has gotten the most out of Mike Riley the last three years. We praise Mike Riley. Hey, Moss deserves credit for that, for getting the three best seasons out of Mike Riley's career. And he's got good receivers there. He thinks Tavares Daniels can be a 1,500-yard receiver, so uh, we'll hold him to that. But I just, if the matchup's there, yeah, he's on my radar. But I'm not going to put him anywhere near that top three yet. I, 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 just, I just have to see it. I more consistently. I don't think you're giving him enough credit. I, I know that he had those two bad games against Calgary, but those two bad games against the Stampeders came in week three and five. From basically week seven on, Harris didn't have a bad game last year. So, uh, like, down the stretch, the final three quarters of the season, he was extremely consistent. Barely throws interceptions. He was over 250 yards passing in every game except one. Uh, had multiple games where the touchdown... Ah, I think the high end is even higher this year, and I'm not with you on on necessarily where the ceiling was. Two bad games against the Stampeders in the first five weeks of the season does not mean that I, I don't think Harris has elite uh, fantasy potential this year. We'll find out. For, yeah. a non, for a non-running quarterback, though, you know what he has to do to be good. So he did the standard tire. He did have a strange number of below-average games, but when he was on, which was the other more than two-thirds of the season, he was almost always up in that 20, 25-point range. Yeah, and that's what we call boom or bust, right? Well, yeah, but you're getting a lot more boom than you are bust. So Trevor Harris is not in my quote-unquote elite group, but he's right on the door, and I think he can make the move this year. At number five, we're going straight to Jeff because it's his favorite. We got James Franklin at $9,600. Not the season he wanted last year. He got the starting job after Ricky Ray went down, lost the starting job, got it back at the end of the season, though, and had a much better time. How do you feel about him going into this season as the starter? I'm not going to sing again, so I don't know why you're trying to get me to do that. Like we don't have it recorded. Hmm. Hmm. I think think James Franklin bounces back this year and in a big way, especially from a fantasy perspective because when James Franklin was playing at even a low level at times last year, he was still putting up pretty good numbers. He runs the ball um, fairly often. When he does run the ball, he's effective doing it. But I think he's got a few different factors working his way this year. And and the first one's Drell Walker. You're talking about an elite receiver, probably top three in the CFL, coming and joining him, who he has chemistry with from their time in Edmonton. Those two absolutely went off when they were together and when James Franklin was starting. Another big reason is the defensive support that Franklin's going to have. Uh, Didn't have Corey Chamberlain last year. That was a very bad defense. Gave up 7.3 yards per play and nearly 30 points per game. Look, when you have a young quarterback, you have to put him in positions to succeed. The Toronto Argonauts did not do that last year with James Franklin. Didn't get along with the coach. Defense was on the field a lot. Defense gave up a lot of points, put the Argos in deficits. Franklin had to do a lot more than he probably should have been trying to do as a first-time, full-time starting quarterback. 
You know that with Corey Chamberlain and the talent on this defense, that's going to change a lot this year. They're going to be able to run the ball a lot more. They were near the bottom of the league, uh, second fewest rushing attempts in the CFL last year. That's going to be a big difference, be able to lean on that big guy, James Wilder Jr. And then there's one more factor that sticks out for me, and this is the biggest one. And I know I'm going epic rant here, <laughs> and it's exciting, and everybody's like sitting by their, by their what do you, I don't want to say radio, tuner, whatever, like computer, headphones. They're intently dialed in right now. But the biggest reason has got to be the confidence from the coaching staff because he just didn't have that last year. Hannah, what, what was it that when, when James Franklin gets traded to Toronto, what did Mark Trestman say? Something, something along the lines of he's not the backup, uh, he has to earn the job. Um, and then come week two, Ricky Ray gets injured, James Franklin's in, starts the next week. Again, what does Mark Trestman say? He says it was a coin flip. Yeah, not the most it confidence inspiring words flip. from your coach. You don't say that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mark Tresman, great cup winning coach. All the respect in the world. But that is not how you treat your quarterback, your young quarterback. Corey Chamberlain's come in. They've named James Franklin the starter. They're going to ride with their quarterback and see this was the guy that was once the quarterback of the future in the CFL. They're going to see what he's all about. And I think for, for James Franklin to have the trust of his coaching staff, that's going to mean a lot. To not have to wonder every snap whether that's going to be his last or if he makes a mistake, if that's it for him. He's not going to play with fear. He's going to play as himself and play with confidence. And, and that, I think, is a really big factor for James Franklin in 2019. So Jeff clearly doesn't feel strongly about him one way or the other. Pat, how do you feel? I'm actually, he might be the most intriguing player for me across the league in 2019 because I did not like when he stepped in for Ricky Ray early on. I thought he struggled mightily, but those are not ideal circumstances. He wasn't given, he wasn't coming into the season as the number one quarterback. Then one of the best of all time goes down and Franklin's got to step into the void and it kind of came uh, in, in an un, uh, he was, he was a little ill prepared for that. McLeod Bethel Thompson takes over, and while I thought it was a little early to pull the plug, you know, still Bethel Thompson takes over, has that really good second half, and, you know, for the rest of the time that he started games, he was very middle of the road, and then Franklin gets the job back late in the season, and in those final number of starts, he was a significantly better quarterback. His decision-making was far and away better. His interception numbers came way down. His completion percentage went way up. Passing touchdowns weren't really high, but he still has that element. And why I think a lot of people like him, guys, in fantasy this year is those 14 rushing touchdowns last year. Now, a number of those rushing touchdowns came when Bethel Thompson was the starter, but still... Franklin is one of those guys that has the ability to turn a play into a scoring play with his feet. And I also don't think we're going to be talking about him. You know, we talked about Bo Levi Mitchell earlier. Bo Levi Mitchell comes out when the Stampeders are in the red zone. I don't necessarily see that being the case when the Argos are, are near the goal line with Franklin. So he adds that element too. If, if Franklin can pick up where he left off in his second stint as starter last year, I think there's a lot of potential there. So there, Jeff, I'm with you on this one. Yeah, I, I like what he did in his second round of starting, but is for me, 9600 is a little bit rich. He's more expensive than Bo Levi Mitchell and Trevor Harris. Well, you're talking about one of the few quarterbacks in the league in fantasy that run the football, and two of those guys are at the top for that very reason. I mean, Mike Riley's a genius throwing the ball too, but Mike Riley and Jeremiah Mazzoli run the ball like crazy, and... They can score touchdowns on the ground, even though Mazzoli didn't have those numbers last year. That's, that's the difference, right? That's why you're getting James Franklin at a higher cost than Bo Levi Mitchell, uh, than Trevor Harris, than Matt Nichols, than everybody else, right? He's one of the higher-priced quarterbacks uh, for that specific reason. He's also one of the few that doesn't lose those goal-line those goal line carries uh, like Pat alluded to, Nick Arbuckle coming in for Bo. Um, it should be James Franklin near the goal line, and even on a bad Argos team last year, a four-win team, that led to mm -hmm. 14 rushing touchdowns for him, tying a franchise record. Like That's the guy that they're going to go to near the goal line, him or James Wilder Jr. Yeah, definitely a lot to keep an eye on there. Um, but a little bit unproven for me to spend that money right off the top. At number six, mm -hmm. a guy that we've kind of debated within the three of us, we've got Matt Nichols. Matty 
ice at $6,800. The most interesting part about Nichols is that he is the kind of guy that you're kind of wondering, is that starting job safe? You've got Chris Streveler standing right there waiting in the wings. A lot of people liked what he did at the beginning of last season. They like his upside. Is Nichols' job actually at risk here? Well, Pat, you're a, you're a big Chris Streveler fan. I know that. So why don't you give us the give us the rundown? Where do you think Matt Nichols' job security is at going into this season? He's the he's the installed starter and should be the installed starter going into the season. He knows how to win. He has been the guy at the helm for this Bombers resurgence over the last three years, and it's a Bombers resurgence that that he was kind of the catalyst of. Remember when? Mike O'Shea went away from Drew Willey to, to Matt Nichols early in that season. That was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. And I know the Bombers have only won uh, the one playoff game, but they, they certainly have gone, come a long way since that time. In saying that, and I like Nichols, I'm a fan of his, I think that there is comfort in Chris Streveler in starting games there. I, and I don't think O'Shea will be will wait too long. If if Nichols isn't winning games and if their plan with him being a game manager, which I think all three of us can agree is probably where Nichols is at this stage of his career, if that's not working and if all of a sudden teams are really keying in on Andrew Harris and he's not getting that traction and the passing game isn't working, if they're looking for a more dynamic threat, I don't think there's going to be much hesitation at all for Mike O'Shea to go to Streveler. Streveler, I do believe, is more explosive. I think gives you uh, a little bit more in terms of dynamic options, but is not as proven and doesn't have the winning resume as Nichols. So Streveler's a very interesting stocking horse this year, and, and I would keep an eye on him. As it stands right now, Nichols, for me, is not near the top of my list when it comes to fantasy options. He's the type of guy that if you're really high on some high-priced players elsewhere and the matchup is okay for Winnipeg, then sure, at an opening price of 6800 putting Nichols in as your quarterback, prioritizing other spots, I can see an argument made for it there. But he's, he's definitely on the outside looking in of that top group. I think Franklin is clearly the best of the rest, and I think there's a bit of a drop there from, from Franklin to Nichols. I think there's a pretty big drop. And, and Pat, I liked it when you said playoff game, and I actually heard a bit of Jim Mora in your voice. So that was that was pretty good. Imagine just saying Playoff? playoffs like that. <laughs> We're not doing this now. We're not doing this now. Hannah's going to get <laughs> driven crazy. We're a long way from the playoffs. But speaking of playoffs, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Blue Bombers Thank are you. <laughs> Hannah's face. You, you gave me the look. <laughs> um, they're expected to win a Grey Cup this year. That's the expectation in Winnipeg. A lot of people are counting this team as the Grey Cup favorite now that Calgary's lost uh, so many players, a big part of the Stampeders core gone. Um, agree with it or not, and that's a discussion for a different day. There's a lot of pressure. I think we can all agree on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers this, Blue Bombers this Thank year. Thank you. If I can't do it without fixing it. I, I, I just don't even try. It's a lost cause, and you know what? If the Bombers struggle out of the gate, if they're not a really good team contending for the West, I wouldn't be shocked if a change is made on on, on that topic. I, I really, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I will say, and, and we argue about the whole Matt Nichols game manager thing, and it's funny because a couple of years ago we had that breakout season, a bunch of 300-year games, and people went, Matt Nichols, not a game manager. And... Well, last year he had one 300-yard game, and guess what? He was a game manager. Well, he is a game manager. That's what he is. And that doesn't have to be a bad thing. He's really good at managing the game. And that's what the best quarterbacks did. That's what Ricky Ray did for most of his career, albeit he was an incredible quarterback and won a lot of great cups that way. But Ricky Ray didn't have, this, have to have the strongest arm in the world or make crazy um, throws that just no quarterback in the right mind would make, right? He made the right decisions and got the job done. And if Matt Nichols needs to do that, that's fine. From a fantasy perspective, I don't know if it's going to work. And mm -hmm. I'm not that interested in Matt Nichols at all, regardless of his price. Uh, you have Chris Streveler coming off the bench several times throughout the game, not just in goal line yep. situations. That's infuriating when you see Streveler come in on a third and one or a second and one and throw a 30-yard touchdown pass on a fake quarterback sneak, right? You have Streveler, the... 
Strebler, the vulture, coming in and, and stealing, his, stealing his touches by the goal line. Vulture, what we call the, that running back in the NFL, usually reserved for NFL running backs that steal the touchdowns. But you don't like the vulture, right? That's an ugly bird, the, the bald head with the few hairs on it and, and the grumpy face. They're and pretty like freaky. Circles around, circles around something that's dying usually, right, or about to die or yeah. has some sixth sense or I mean, they can see when something someone's like struggling. that, which is yeah. so. The point is, I don't know if there's a lot here to like about Matt Nichols. You like that they got Chris Matthews. Yeah, that that is a huge positive. I think. Does it change well, much for you though? I I don't think it's going to put him in my lineup that much more because yeah, like you said, he lost a lot of touchdowns to Strebler to to Harris, just raked them up. But yeah, no, very six. I think is fair. Sixth as where, a ranking. Where are you fair. getting your points from from your quarterback? You're getting touchdown passes mm-hmm. and you're getting rushing yards and and rushing touchdowns. And Matt Nichols doesn't really check any of those three boxes. Not in a big way. And you saw that a lot with his totals. He'd have a big game and then, you know, he'd have two in a row with low point totals. So yeah. I think if you're gambling on him, you're more than likely to get a bust week than a boom week. And that's that's not what we've seen with anyone ahead of him on this list it's it's a good debate and you know what for for roughly two hundred dollars more i I like the next guy on the list well a little bit more yeah you guys disagree with me here i think so i think there's a much longer and better track record for nickels but at seven seven thousand dollars we've got antonio pipkin in montreal and i think because he's in montreal has a big part to do with why he's ranked at number seven Montreal was a tire fire last year. They went through a ton of quarterbacks. It's nice that they now have a guy that they're saying, yes, this is our starter. But what's more likely this season, that Pipkin loses his starting job early on or that he becomes a viable top option in fantasy this year? Yeah, I, uh, I, I, would, I would probably lean towards the former on that one. And look, I, I think that Pipkin is extremely athletic, is extremely young, and is still learning this offense. But from a fantasy perspective, I almost think that, and and this this will sound disrespectful or whatever, but I almost think that there's just not a whole lot to talk about in Montreal this season until they start to show us otherwise. Tire fire is a good way of putting it. It was a disastrous year in 2018. It's not like they have taken significant steps forward and that's not to say that there aren't some interesting targets there or some interesting playmakers there but Antonio Pipkin is just another name in a long line of of quarterbacks that haven't been able to get it done and there's still lots to be written in Pipkin's story but as of right now I'm just not ready to have him anywhere near a fantasy lineup he's gonna have to show me a lot for for me to start considering that listen here's the thing the everybody in Montreal says well, the Alouettes, you know, they got some guys there, but they got no quarterback. Well, now you're going you're gonna to say, well, the quarterback might be something, but I don't like the guys that are there. That doesn't make any who sense. Who said that? Who, who, who said that? Well, you're kind of saying you don't like what's there no, in I Montreal. Just, I, I don't, and I don't, and I'm not big on, like, I don't think so the you said that. has proven anything either. So I like what the Owls have. I think they've got a really good roster. Mike Sherman's a second-year coach. Um, defense, like the talent, not sure about Bob Slowick. Been out of the game for a while. Uh, new defensive coordinator in the CFL. Uh, Kahari Jones, offensive coordinator, been around a bit. Uh, should be able to lead a, a, a half-decent offense in the CFL. So, you like the receivers. B.J. Cunningham, really underrated. I mean, he'd be a 1,000-plus yard receiver every year with a top quarterback. They add Devere Posey, true vertical threat. Eugene Lewis, good quarterback. They, uh, sorry, good good receiver. They got some guys in camp that, that seem to be standing out. Here's the thing with Antonio Pipkin. He doesn't have to go and throw for 350 yards or 300 yards every game, right? If he is winning this starting job and they're putting their faith in him and he's the guy, he's going to run around. He's going to get some yards on the ground. He's going to get their short yardage rushing touchdowns. Uh, and he's got a strong arm. He's going to hit Devere Posey on some of those fly routes. Yeah, Antonio Pipkin's going to put up some points. The question, I think, is a toss-up because with Pipkin losing his job by week five or becoming a top three fantasy quarterback, well, you sort of feel like it's going to be one or the other. There's no, it's, there's no in-between. 
with with a guy like Antonio Pipkin. But my goodness, if he hangs on to that starting quarterback job and plays, and you're getting a guy for 7K that's going to go out there and run around and make plays with his feet, uh, has the strong arm, he's 23 years old, and now in his third season, there's some development there that's happening. I'm all in on Antonio Pipkin, and this is coming from a guy who really doubted him and didn't like that play last year. But I like so what that. Is this it, what year. are you what are you basing it on? Like there's there's no there's no empirical evidence to base that on. I know that. They're a better team. He's another year experienced. Ba- based on but again, based on what? What they've added. Plus, they got the two young cogs on the O line. John's, Tyler Johnston's gonna be a big difference there playing tackle for them. Because last year, Trey Rutherford, is he going to have enough time to get their O line is going to be a lot better this year. I'm telling you that now. That's that 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 is that, and that's great. And I'm not saying that they don't have good young players on the offensive line. And I like both of those young guys that you're talking about in in Johnston and Rutherford, but extremely inexperienced in the CFL game. Jeff, I'm sorry for you to sit there and tell me that there's no questions asked that they're going to provide elite protection for a guy who doesn't have to be elite passes. Three touchdown passes against eight intercepts. I, I get. Look, I just don't. Th- for are you going to start Antonio Pipkin in Week One? I don't know. Yeah, we'll see at the end of the show when we <laughs> when we uh, when we divulge that information. It's a big spoiler. Are you alert even there. thinking about it? Listen, the whole point of this is it's not a Week One show. It's a season preview. Sure. I like Antonio Pipkin. I think there's a good chance he wins that job based off what I've heard so far uh, from reporters in Montreal. Like he's not even he's not even the starting quarterback yet, and you're, you're well. That's what, this is all. Of to... course, this is all a hypothetical. I'm not going to start him if I'm not putting him in my fantasy lineup if he's a backup. Like this goes without saying at this point. Come on. Um, and if it's Jeff Matthews, I'm not going to start him because he doesn't run the ball, and that, that's just not a, not a great situation for Jeff for Jeff Matthews not, not being an unproven quarterback who doesn't run around. But but. I like Pipkin, and I think he's going to surprise you this year if, if, if he's the starter. And we're talking about strictly from a fantasy perspective. Yeah. I think he will have shown. Right. I hope you're right about He Montreal. will have shown I enough do. strides. Montreal's offense will take a step forward this year. Second year with Mike Sherman, another year with Kari Jones, no more Johnny Manziel circus and all those distractions going on. It's going to be a different year for the Montreal Alouettes. They will be more competitive this year. I hope you're right. I, am, I don't have the confidence you do, though. Next. To Saskatchewan, if you want a very cheap quarterback, you can have Zach Caleros for $5,300. Uh, that's a cheaper, bin territory here. cheaper than a lot of receivers even. So Zach Caleros had a very interesting offseason as Saskatchewan went out and actively tried to replace him. And as they found out that the options weren't there, they were kind of forced into keeping Caleros. So... Cheap guy, they wanted to move on. You don't really get that sense of confidence there, but does at least a year of continuity help? A lot of the similar offense. It it depends on how much he can stay on the field. It depends how many games he starts, because that's my number one concern with Caleros, is whether or not he is able to... I mean, look, he's never played a full CFL season and I, I, I do worry about the durability and the longevity. So that's number one. Uh, and, and number two, like we're talking about a long time since Caleros has been a quality quarterback in this league. It's, it's, it's been a number of seasons. So I like some of their additions. I think Arsenault is interesting, even though he missed a good chunk of last season. Adding Powell is huge. I, I think there's some things to like about the Riders. They're still going to have an elite defense, which will allow the offense to be put in some good situations. But uh, I, I'm in a very, very firm wait and see on Zach Caleros. Um, I'm open. I'm interested. But I am skeptical as to whether or not he's going to provide much fantasy value at all in 2019. For me, I, I like to look at this from a, a return on investment uh, type of outlook where Claros is by far the cheapest starting quarterback. By uh, far. As, as, Hannah, as Hannah pointed out as well. And, and at $5,300, I think there's not a lot to lose here and you're not asking for much. And this is going to vary from person to person. But if you're someone who wants to roll the dice a little bit at quarterback and go for the sure thing, go for some big time PPR receivers that are going to give you massive points around him... 
I don't think there's a lot to lose here because at his price, you're not asking for that much. Yeah, that's what I want to ask you. At his price, how many points does he need to get you to make it worth so it? So if you if he's given you if he's given you 15 or 16 points, which I understand he didn't do, he barely did it if at all last year. Yeah. But I, I think last year was an anomaly, and I'll get to that in a second. But if he's giving me 15 or 16 points, you're talking about three points for every thousand dollars spent. If 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 that's Mike Riley or or Jeremiah Mazzoli giving you that, you're talking about what over 36 points there, right? You're almost 13. You're almost 13 thousand dollars. You're talking about almost 40 points. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's just that he he really couldn't promise you that last. But year. again, I I do think last year was an outlier, and I'm prepared to be wrong on this because I, I'm I too am a little skeptical. I'm not certain of it. But I have a sense that last year was a tough situation for him. Got injured early. Uh, it was a new team. Didn't have the greatest weapons around him. Uh, you know, I had Chris Jones pulling Deron Carter from offense and your best receiver and throwing him on defense, which was, you know, to put it nicely, a, a different thing to do. But, I mean, this is a more fluid situation for him. He's been there another year. Uh, he's got a, a veteran receiver around him now in, in Manny Arsenault to add to, to Naman Roosevelt, two vets there. I think he's going to have a chance to sort of take that continuity and make it into an advantage for him. And again, if you're talking 250 yards, a couple of touchdowns, no picks, you're, you're, getting, you're creeping towards the 20-point range for that. It's not much. It's not. He doesn't have to do that much to give you a return on his investment. So I think it's interesting. Um, I'm probably shying, him, shying away from him a little bit early, but I think you'll want to monitor that price because uh, it's not going to stay low if he's putting up 15 or so points every week, which I do, I do think he's capable of. He can run an offense. And number nine slash 10, because it's a bit of a toss-up, is... Ottawa's quarterback situation. We've got Dominique Davis at 5,200, so in that Caleros range, and Jonathan Jennings at 6,600. As of this moment, we're not sure where they're going in Ottawa as far as quarterback, starting quarterback, but we saw this Red Blacks team get picked apart offensively in free agency. So I ask you guys, what's the best-case scenario for this offense in 2019 just as a fantasy perspective? Ooh. Best case scenario is, uh, I mean, them them not getting completely blown out of the water in the early going. What are we talking about, Jeff? See if I miss anything here in terms of the checklist of what they've lost. They're starting quarterback. They're starting left tackle. They're starting running back and two of their elite receivers plus their offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Did I miss anything there? No, you nailed it. I should have gone so ding after every <laughs> ding. <laughs> That is a laundry list of things that they have lost, and they don't have a natural quarterback to just step into the void. Eskimos lost Mike Riley. They had a natural quarterback to step into the void by the name of Trevor Harris. There's no, like, Jonathan, Jonathan Jennings and Dominique Davis, they don't even know who's going to be the starter in week one. I'm curious to see how many times this flip-flops between the two. I'm wondering if there's another name that at some point starts games for the Red Blacks this year. I, I, like I, I am fascinated with what the Red Blacks do. This is going to be the biggest test that Rick Campbell and Marcel Desjardins have ever undertaken. And I think they are extremely bright football minds, but especially in the first quarter of the season, I'm, I'm not feeling all that confident that they're going to be uh, able to do much at all. And they are, they've got a huge test in front of them. I almost think, and Jeff, you might be a little more positive on it than me, but I almost think Davis and Jennings are complete and utter non-factors at this point. No, I'm not there at this point. I don't... Uh, look, it's hard for me to justify picking one of them, so I guess, I guess, I guess you could say they're a non-factor, but I think they both have... The, either one has the potential uh, to be a factor down the road. You talk about best-case scenario... Um, for Davis, it's he's an exceptional athlete, right? He's, I mean, someone someone said it last week that uh, that Davis is the best, most athletic quarterback 
that the Red Blacks franchise has ever had, and uh, that, that you know that list includes Henry Burris, right? So you're talking about a, a quarterback that can run the ball really well, and if that's what Dominique Davis is, just the rushing yards alone may give you a bit of a return on a, on a really low. Uh, salary that he has so I, I think for him that's the best case scenario there for Jonathan Jennings you're talking about a quarterback that he averaged 9.4 yards per attempt his first two years in the league that's incredible that's above what we're seeing from Mike Riley uh, from Bo Levi Mitchell from from Jeremiah Mazzoli that's in the elite territory right so uh, 42 touchdowns 25 interceptions Jonathan Jennings had a sustained period of elite-level quarterback play. So maybe the change of scenery does him well, right? He's got Brad Sinopoli there. Um, he should have a good defense behind him there. And, and uh, if he can win that job, maybe it gives him the confidence he needs. And, and he starts getting that confidence to go vertical because I feel like that's one thing that's been missing uh, from Jonathan Jennings the last few years. I, f- I felt like he got a little bit uh, scarred after – after some of those games when he was throwing a lot of picks and, and people were critical and saying, when is John Jennings going to throw less interceptions? And I felt maybe that haunted him a bit and he tried to change who he was. And, and maybe maybe he can get back to that. I don't know. I'd love to see it. Best case scenario for me looks like them picking a guy and sticking with him and building upon it. Nothing good is going to happen from bouncing from Ooh, quarterback no. to quarterback. So if they can get a guy in there who can stick in there and they're confident enough to build on that. That's probably their best case scenario this season. Well, guys, I think that's about it for our first edition of the CFL fantasy podcast for 2019. We covered a ton uh, because that was all quarterbacks and that's the most controversial and it is the most talked about position in fantasy football, but we are not, We are not done yet. We have tons of other positions to preview. We've got more previews coming up for you. Uh, Once again, let's fast forward to week one, guys. Uh, The matchups are set. We know who's playing one another. Uh, As we wrap things up on the first edition of the CFL Fantasy Podcast for 2019, who is your week one starter at quarterback? I'm shockingly sticking with who I had in March, and that's Mike Riley. I was not against paying $14,000 for him last season when you guys said it was a bit rich for your blood. Mm-hmm. So I'll definitely take him under $12,000. i am i am excited for him in BC. Yeah, I had, uh, I had Mazzoli, but uh, that situation there with the new coaching staff has scared me off a little bit. And also playing the Riders in week one is not a nice situation. We know what they do to quarterbacks. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm going with Mike Riley for now. But I am thinking of going a little bit cheaper if it can uh, if it can help my lineup out. If I if I go with a, if I go with an Antonio Pipkin versus versus Edmonton, a new defense there, we'll see. But right now it's it's Mike Riley and and the return of the greatest show on turf. I'm gonna go with Trevor Harris. I like that matchup a lot against Montreal at home at Commonwealth. Uh, we've already talked about how I feel about Harris as a quarterback, so I, I'm I'm gonna stick with that. I'll go Harris against Montreal. I know that. Sir Vincent Rogers is out long term with just a devastating early injury in training camp, which is really too bad. But I'll go uh, Trevor Harris as yeah. my week one quarterback. The so, sir, there you go. Well, What's that, Jeff? No, the survey injury hurts, but I, I think I think you're going to be a little bit surprised. Sorry, I have to get the last word in all the time. That's how Apparently. this works. That's how this works. Hannah's appalled by my behavior right now. Um, I think you're going to be a little surprised by that Alouette secondary. Siante Evans and, and Tommy Campbell, Taylor Loeffler in the middle, uh, Patrick Levels. They got some guys, so look out, Trevor Harris. They make sure for, do. Make for a fun week it's one all debate. About, it's all a, about whether or not they can move the football because I think Campbell and Evans could form the best lockdown corner talent-wise tandem in the CFL, but are they going to be in good enough situations to be able to use that talent? Are they going to have long fields or are we going to be talking about them backed up against their goal line because the offense can't move it that's what it's going to come down to for me when it comes to Montreal uh okay before before Jeff brings up another topic let's wrap it up don't forget to sign up before June 5th get your lineups in cflfantasy.tsn.ca there's money on the line before a game's even been played one lucky person is going to win $1,000 if you set your lineups before June 5th 
uh, season is just weeks away. Remember, it kicks off on June 13th. We've got previews leading up to kickoff as we move closer to our preview on running backs and receivers. If you need more of your fantasy football fix, check out CFL.ca. There's more content there. And then check out The Waggle with Davis Sanchez and Donovan Bennett at CFL.ca slash The Waggle. They can get you caught up on everything happening in training camp. Make sure you subscribe and listen to us every single week, including all of our season preview podcasts. Great to be back for another year of this. Uh, get fantasy advice on your morning job. It says job. I don't know. I can't write. Did a monkey write this? Get fantasy advice on your morning jog uh, while you're brushing your teeth or on the streetcar. Uh, and don't forget to leave a review or a comment. Uh, I've see, seen some on iTunes already, and it's like mean tweets. But anyway, um, I'll go there. We have time. We don't have time. But who am I to let time get in the way? Um, one commenter said, great podcast. I just wish they would be nicer to each other. Well, I, I, we like each other at least. So we do like each other. We it's do. It's a love-hate relationship sometimes. Mostly love. It's, it's debate, friendly debate. And the other comment is, and this one pains me to say it, but uh, I'm more embarrassed for the person that wrote this because they don't know what they're talking about. Uh, it says, not a fan of that Jeff guy. Has no idea how to draft. Sounds like that was one of your friends, Jeff. Um, over to you, Pat. Well, thanks for that, Jeff. That was awesome. <laughs> That'll do it for. See, uh, somewhere in there, we like each other. But when Jeff extends the podcast, sometimes we don't. That'll do it for our uh, opening edition of the 2019 CFL Fantasy Podcast. Check out Jeff Creever for all of his rambling and insight uh, at Jeff Creever. Hannah is at HL Nordman. I'm at Fan960 Steinberg. Uh, the CFL Fantasy Podcast is presented by Leo Vegas. Welcome aboard for 2019. It's receivers and running backs next as we move closer to the 2019 regular season.